Hello, Laura here. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Watchlist podcast. We have something special just for you guys. Hope 1032 are hosting an advanced screening of the unlikely pilgrimage of Harold Fry, starring Jim Broadbent. This is a movie about an everyday ordinary guy who decides to trek across England to visit a friend he finds out is unwell. A sweet story, an endearing story, and we are going to be hosting a live in-person event screening this movie at Event Cinemas Castle Hill, May 24th. If you're listening to this episode in real time, you can enter to win tickets to see the preview screening and be there for a Q&A after the movie with myself, Russ, and from our Hope 1032 Book Club podcast, Simone and Georgia, talking about how the movie compares to the book it's based on. So if you would like to come along to the unlikely pilgrimage of Harold Fry, May 24, enter to win your tickets in the link in this podcast description. Entries close midday, May 23rd. So make sure you get in now. We would love to see you there. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... Please be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. So what I got? Movies are dreams that you never forget. Welcome to The Watch List. Today I'm here with Laura Bennett. Hello. And my name is Russ Matthews from Real Dialogue and we're doing Death of the Rom-Com. Yeah, they seem to have kind of fallen off a little bit from the beautiful era that used to be, I would say, early 2000s rom-coms and before. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, that's right. Now, we're not talking about Death of the Rom-Com because of the films that we're actually going to talk about this week <laughs> as much. Maybe. Maybe. But, but, it is, but I think they actually are a catalyst to kind of understanding kind of why we are. So I think yeah. we're going to be looking at Love Again and also What's Love Got to Do With It. One's in cinemas and the other one's streaming right now. Hmm. And so we're going to start off with Love Again. This is a, a new one that's kind of come. It's a, this story of a music editor. Yeah, um, a journalist. A journalist at the, uh, the New York Chronicle. Uh, Rob, he actually gets this random text message on his new work phone from a Myra Ray who has lost her boyfriend in the couple years prior. And she's actually kind of going through and reminiscing and, and kind of talking to her former boyfriend who's passed mm. away on the message because his number is actually now this Rob's new number. And so Rob is trying to figure out who she is, what's going on, what's all happening. And so in this kind of serendipitous moment of texting in this modern era, they try to come together. And here's what's interesting about it. It involves Celine Dion because... Yeah, which for me was one of the stranger parts of this movie. Why? You know, I mean, they they, they tie it in because he's a music journalist, right? So So he's he's interviewing her. Profile on her and there is is a point in the story as to why she's there, but I feel like bigger picture, it seemed like an odd choice in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of an interesting one. So it's an interesting one and I did, I have to say, I'll tell you, I took my rom-com trilogy with or the uh, the trifecta of my daughter with me and we went to a Chicks at the Flicks kind of um, screening of this mm-hmm. and people love this movie. I mean, they really yeah. enjoyed it because that was the target audience. I wasn't because I was one of the only men in the whole audience. <laughs> and so, but people really seem to love it and really kind of in- enjoy kind of the uh, the frivolous nature of it in, yeah. in a way. But um, I don't know, as far as quality, it's not going to go down as one of the greatest rom-coms of all time, well, but it was okay. But, and if you think about it, so it's got Sam Hewen in it, who will, he built a big fan base from Outlander. Right. You've got 
got Priyanka Chopra in there as well. You already mentioned Celine Dion. This was meant to be, it feels like they're setting this up as a movie that is bringing back the rom-com, particularly because it's got a cinematic release. Sure. So many romantic comedies right now go straight to streaming. They do. I think of all the Hallmark ones at Christmas. I think of, you know, the the in the last few years, we haven't seen big, I think of ones like 10 Things I Hate About You or even You've Got Mail, 27 exactly. Dresses, all of these classics that were not necessarily like the highest quality movies overall, but for their genre, they're really good. And so when I saw that Love Again was coming out, I thought, all right, here we go. You've got these really strong actors in this. You've got the fun idea of having Celine in there as well. This is going to be something kind of magical and fun. But it was, I think why it doesn't necessarily translate with everyone, because I know in your cinema, people loved it, had fun with it. In my cinema, (laughs) people were audibly sighing and like, shocked at some of the elements of this storyline that they just thought, what? Right. Like you heard people go, oh, like this is <laughs> the cringeworthiness of the way that Sam Hewen's character, Rob, there was just this awkward nervousness that seemed so unnecessary with how he interacted with Myra. Right. The way that they just seemed to fumble in terms of how they spoke to each other was really off-putting. And I don't know that they had the right chemistry to pull it off. And then Celine Dion is there. (laughs) Yes, she's being interviewed, and I feel like they're almost trying to do like the Notting Hill thing, right? Right, Like where you've got that kind of character in the junket interview setting, and there he is learning life lessons from this big-time celebrity. But she's playing herself and then telling these what seem like obscure stories about her own personal life and her relationship with her husband, Renee, who'd passed away. And then you get a story about Seal in there as well. And it's like, what? Why? (laughs) I don't understand what the point was of it. I was like, is this almost like an autobiographical opportunity for her to somehow share her personal journey within this movie. She was a producer, a a producer as far as in that. And and obviously her music was kind of showcased in this film in a way, but it did feel like it was kind of retrofitted in, honestly. Mm. I mean, it was, it was fine. And I think that it definitely will hit the target market, but I don't think a lot of people will um, necessarily go back and see it over and over and over again. But I think what you really touched on something that I think that we're going to get to one of the other film here in a minute, but I'm really kind of curious. One of the things I see as being the issue with the death of the rom-com is what I find we've missed is that it is the chemistry Mm. that we've, we've kind of, we're waiting for that, you know, two beautiful people put together that they should just work. And it unfortunately doesn't, you know, I mean, yes, you know, they're waiting for that Mr. And Mrs. Smith experience, you know, Brad Pitt, Angelina Mm -hmm. Jolie, two of the most beautiful people in the world brought together. (laughs) There's automatic passion and you want that, but it didn't happen with this film. I, I agree mm. with you. I feel that night, both of them kind of came from different kind of genres of film and they just really didn't quite mix. But I, I find that they kind of keep doing that. Hollywood keeps trying and they lose sight of the fact that, no, you really need to find two people. They don't have to be yeah. beautiful. Tom Hanks isn't the most attractive <laughs> of men. I mean, I'm not trying to, sorry, Tom, but, you know, he is still in some of the greatest um, rom-coms yeah. of all time. Billy Crystal. Come on, you go all the way back to When <laughs> Harry Met Sally. Not a leading man. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, Billy, you know, if you're watching. But it's really one of those things where you kind of, but yet they had chemistry yeah. with their lead But actors. then I wonder if that, for me, is something that didn't really translate with this, right? Like, because there's a few things that this movie does differently from normal. Like, one thing to touch on is the fact that, like, what... 
go back half a second, right? So normally with a classic rom-com that works, you do have like that charming guy. And for better or worse, these are generalizations and stereotypes. Sure, yeah, and there's definitely. probably some stuff they need to readjust about how this works. <laughs> like this is why there's an unhealthy side to the rom-com. Exactly. You get this classically good looking guy. He's confident. He's charming. He knows how to woo the girl. She tends to be a little bit more like delicate, reserved, unsure. And he's this like strong brawnish guy that's going to give her the life confidence she's been waiting to have. And it's only because she met him that suddenly she can realize that, right? Sure, there's some unhealthy dynamics in that, but it's the beauty of a rom-com. You know, everyone kind of goes for it. I think what they did differently with Love Again is that Rob, his character, is awkward. Like, yeah, he's like this big, tall guy and like that classic good-looking thing, but one thing they did was mess his hair up entirely. I'm <laughs> you like, were, hair you hated his right. hair. <laughs> it didn't look right in this movie at all. So I go, okay, physically right. they've done something weird with you that means you're not classically fitting the rom-com, you know, trope, right? Sure. And then also you're this awkward guy who doesn't seem sure how to talk to girls, who doesn't quite seem confident and how he interacts with his love interest. So I'm like, there's something weird about this. It doesn't feel right. And maybe it's because they're trying to break the stereotype of guys always being the confident one, girls always being the nervous ones. I like that they did that, right? I like that you're breaking that. But I just don't know that it translated so well. And then the way they edited it in some of the shots, they're pondering in awkward ways, like lingering on his eyes as he's waiting, you know, in certain moments, like these little things that broke my ability to just get lost in it because it's like you're making this so awkward. Like why can't these two people just talk to each other? Right. And then also at the heart of it, like a romantic comedy should be about this connection between two people and sure there's that that passion but there's like there's a love and all of these things. But I've noticed more and more there's some kind of broken thing or like a deception or in a lot of the Christmas movies in the last year, you, you're meant to be rooting for the couple who actually are having an affair. Right. You want, I noticed that in so many of three out of like the five I watched mm, over Christmas right. to review. We're wrong. Yeah. We're, yeah, yeah. We're all about the affair that was meant to take off and that was true love. And I go, wait a minute, why are we celebrating or meant to be going for that Absolutely. idea of love? In this one, there's a core deception at the heart of it where Rob hasn't told Myra about these messages, that he's not really her dead husband, right. but he knows all of this. And then they build this relationship on top of a deception you know is going to have to come out at some point. It's like, why aren't we, like, yes, it makes for the drama of the movie, but why aren't we saying, hang on a minute, if you just told her truthfully what's going on, you could build this relationship on truth and trust and not a deception that you know is going to have to unfold at some point or come out. I think it's a, gr- a great point because like a film, because actually, because I was trying to think of like a film like The Proposal, you know, the whole, uh, yeah. you know, that one was where the guy was kind of bumbling and she was the dominant one and it worked, you know, mm-hmm. it just ended up working. Now, granted, they kind of came together at the end and it, but I mean, Sandra Bullock pretty much could be on almost any rom-com and yeah. she's convincing, right? The other thing that really stood out to me too, and, and this is actually more of a cultural thing and mm-hmm. how our culture has changed. You know, you look at the, the great rom-coms of the 80s and 90s and all that sort of thing but yet now how where we are sitting now and why some of them don't work is also we have this it was even seen in this one scene where funny enough where where chopper she was actually in the scene with her actual husband nick jonas and Mm -hmm. it was so uncomfortable this insta romance culture that we live in that it's the swipe left swipe swipe right Mm. kind of thing that an algorithm is going to somehow help us to find our relationships and all yeah. that sort of thing. And not that I'm not, just so you know, I'm not against online dating and all that sort of thing. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that may be able to get things started, but it's not necessarily how you can define your relationship. But yeah. don't you think that that 
our culture has changed mm. in the way, I don't know, romance just isn't quite the same as, as it was in the previous eras. Maybe. Things have certainly evolved. Like right. the way, even from a practical point of view, the fact that there is online dating as an option now compared to the way even, you know, 20, 30, 50 years ago, people would be meeting each other. The whole idea of how you meet and connect and fall in love is really done differently. But then I think the key fundamentals of a healthy relationship, those are timeless. Right. Like whether you meet somebody on the street, at church, on an app, however you meet, respect is still a key fundamental, totally. like setting clear expectations, understanding what each of you are looking for in a relationship, trust and clear, honest communication. All of these things are just about decent human relationships. <laughs> Those don't change. Like the thing that brings you together doesn't actually influence how you should treat one another. And people on all of these different platforms and even in face-to-face -face interactions, all of right. us do have different beliefs and, you know, kind of values, I suppose, that we assign to how you should treat people. Mm. Some people are more transactional and think that's acceptable. Some people are at the other end where it's like, this is really serious and I'm only about this in an intentional point of view. And that's how they approach it. And you find people that are like-minded with you in that regard. So we right. all exist in relationships on a spectrum for sure. But I think establishing a healthy relationship with that person who's on the same page as you the way we do that doesn't change, and it's really important. And I, and I love what you said. Is there are aspects of relationships that are timeless. You know, I was just reading in my devotions this morning the Song of Solomon. You can see you're seeing this passion, you know, because I, I think that's one of the things that we lose sight of. Even God had an original plan for relationships. A man and a woman, you know, they weren't just created to procreate. It's actually, they're meant to be, there's this passionate relationship and the beauty, that the timelessness of it, that it can be found and it can be within that relationship and within the confines of that, mm. that beautiful relationship. And so I think that sometimes we've lost sight of that mm. um, in thinking that, well, no, I'll just let the computer figure it out for me and then maybe... Uh, maybe it'll work out or something, or I don't want to necessarily invest the way mm. they should. And I think that when as I'm reading through the text of the Bible, I'm going, oh, this is investment. They know yeah. each other. They've invested in this relationship. And also they know what it is that needs to be said. Because you can never say it enough. You know, you, you say, I love you to someone, but you can't say it enough, but yet you might need to say it differently and you mm. communicate it differently. It's like when you write a review, I mean, I, when I write my reviews, I have a thesaurus next to me because I can only, there's only so many good words that can actually describe a film, mm. but yet you can go through and kind of figure it out. Well, it's no different in a relationship. I can say, I love you, but it's, you need to make sure you're able to do it kind of different ways and, and mm. find out what it is about this person and investing in that relationship. That's beautiful. And this anyway. is why you have the five different love languages because everybody, <laughs> oh, everybody has their different ways of being loved and expressing love but i actually the other movie that we want to talk about oh yeah today, yeah, yeah we, we called, gotta get um, to the other movie it's called what's love got to do with it this is a far stronger example to me uh, right okay of of what a romantic comedy can be okay. but also the way that it has a conversation about love so there's there's some parts of it that i felt were not necessarily like the best in terms of romantic comedy movies mm. but the story of this film you've got two friends zoe and kaz zoe is this documentary filmmaker sure. she's really passionate about finding these unique stories and bringing lily them james, to life right. yep lily james and her best friend kaz they come from really different cultural backgrounds so she's kind of stereotypical kind of western ideas right. around love he comes from a pakistani background arranged marriages mm. is the way of it for his family and right. he is of the younger generation thinking about doing things a little bit differently and 
they meet in this, uh, they're having this conversation and she suddenly decides, I think I want to make my next film about you, about arranged marriage, about falling in love. Let's tell this story. And of course, in the process, <laughs> maybe they fall in love and maybe it's not going to be an arranged right. marriage and will his family accept that, okay? So in this uh, film, what I thought was quite incredible was that in for the first time at least I can remember in this particular way, the idea of arranged marriage and that concept of romance as opposed to the Western concept of we'll just meet, we'll just fall in love, we'll like work this out, it's passion, it's romance. Right. They were put on screen in a way that I've not seen before and also respected in a way that exactly. I've not seen before, yeah, which was right. really different. Like Kaz's heritage in this movie, it's Muslim, it's Pakistani, he's got really clear religious beliefs about why arranged marriage matters, around why relationships and sex aren't transactional. All of these different things are brought up and they're not belittled, which normally those kind of things in a lot of romantic movies are. Right. Like it's the, the characters that choose to save themselves for marriage or that choose not to, you know, approach relationships in a really, uh, you know, quick kind of way. They're normally stereotyped in such a negative light, but that doesn't happen in this movie. And I think it gives them space to have a more meaningful discussion around what actually creates love and what do these sorts of modes of intimacy or relating to somebody else, what actual function do they serve? There's a line in this movie that I really like. I think it was like, you know, we talk about falling in love and head over heels and all of that. And one of the older characters, one of the wise mums, says something along the lines of, you don't want to fall into love. You want to fall into like and walk into love. Mm. And I thought, yeah, like that's such a different yeah. way to was conceptualize this thing. Yeah, which we don't always, we, ju- we no. just don't always hear a slow, intentional approach to romance broadcast in cinema. We normally hear this like fast and quick and with anyone type perspective. Totally. I think you really bring up a great point that this really shows the two cultures, but also how we live in this world where all these culture clashes occur all the time. And so to be able to see the value, well, really, they really show the value almost more of the kind of the arranged marriage in a way, even though it still does. It, interestingly enough, it wasn't like it all worked out. And no, I don't want to was... spoil anything for people. Mm. But on top of it, that this relationship, how do you come to terms with if you're going to meet together as a couple, and especially in our multicultural world that we do, how this can actually work and, and realize that you have to respect not just the person, but also all that they bring with them as far as their culture, their heritage, mm-hmm. everything that is. And so valuing that. I mean, even watching the Emma Thompson character who plays her mother. Oh, James that Floyd. was so cringeworthy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she's where she's oh, trying so that. hard. She's trying so hard to mm. fit in. But yet it's still lovely because it seems quite genuine in so many ways. But um, I, I agree. I think that it, it it was a fascinating delving into, and I think they really tried to do something new and different with the rom-com kind of twist. Mm. Then on top of it, you know, the fact that these two people lived together all of their childhood, so they've known each other yeah. for years, and so they've been kind of friends, but there was always something of something there yeah. that they really didn't know if they could really even cross that bridge. Yeah, well, because they had to have the conversations of the cross-cultural side of their relationship and then also the just different perspectives on like love and religion and all of these things. Like it's uh, it's a fantastic movie because you're touching yeah. on religious heritage, cultural heritage and all of these elements that make for a more meaningful and I think contemporary perspective on relationships than maybe what we would have seen compared to some of the early ones. But I would definitely say I don't think we've reached the era of rom-coms being totally at the top of their no. game. I think we just have to accept that they're not necessarily dead, 
but we're not in we're not in like the sweet peak. spot. No, yeah, no, no. They're definitely we've got to re, we got to we have to find it again. But I want to ask you before we move move on to the next thing. So these two films, would you put them on your watch list? Oh, I th- I think the uh, what to do. What's love got to do with what's it? Love got Sorry, to do what's with love it? got yeah, to yeah. do with it? I think it's worth a watch. I feel like if you're in the position, though, if you're on the dating scene, you're still looking to find your person, all of that kind of stuff, it will relate to you a lot. And there's probably going to be some moments where you go, oh, my gosh, I just relate to Lily James. I feel exhausted. <laughs> like th- there's something so true about that experience. Sure. So it's not a rom-com that allows you to escape reality. It's a right. rom-com that takes you right into reality. It does. So bear that in mind, but it's a fantastic movie. Love Again, I would – I. Pfft, I actually would just leave it, to be honest, because right. I go, this isn't, for all of the people that are seeing it because of Sam Hewen and they love Outlander and all of that, he doesn't have what he has in Outlander sure. in this movie. Like, just skip it. But if you're just wanting, you know, a night off and this is silly and I really care, it'll be fine. If I didn't see it, I wouldn't go to see it. I, I'm actually right on the same uh, same page, even though I did enjoy the night at going out with my daughters and ha- well, having them enjoying yeah. this film and enjoying it together. It was, you know, as far as a rom-com, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. But I think that of the two films, I think what love's got to do with it has a little bit more to offer and also has something that you can actually delve into a little bit with a little bit more depth. So I put probably put that on the watch list yeah. over, over love again. hundred percent. Yep. And so now kind of looking at that, um, Kind of the considerations, we've talked about a few, but mm. there was a sweet spot. There was yeah. there were times, maybe, I don't know if it was an era, but there were some just some great couples, but then on top of some great films mm. that um, you re- really recommend. I'd really love to hear what some of your favorites are. I have some. I'm going to actually throw in a few that men would probably even enjoy. Yeah, you know, Because, okay. I mean, I think sometimes, <laughs> I think rom-coms kind of get thrown into the ladies category, yeah. which is fair. But I think that there are some that four guys could actually go out and enjoy themselves too yeah. and actually be, be together. Like, so give me a couple and why you like what, yeah. what, what you love about Look, them. And there's probably more to say on the whole conversation of the guys versus women watching these movies. That's a whole other tangent. But I just think for be- <laughs> like some of these movies, I will say, this is a bunch of disclaimers before I give you my list. Right, okay, go for it. I watched these many years ago mm-hmm. when I had different <laughs> views on love and relationships than I probably do now as like an older, mature woman. And I also think... Like there's probably a naivety. There's there's probably a naivety that allowed me to enjoy these. And when I look back, I go, oh, that's really not healthy relationship advice. But so me recommending these is not about me thinking that they are great examples of healthy relationships. But no no judgment here. No judgment here. How to lose a guy in ten days. Okay. I did love it. I thought it was fun. And of course the chemistry and the the dynamic between Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey, like they've done a few movies together. They have. And it, it's just fun and it's silly and it works and they have a com- comedic magic that they comes do. off on they screen. They both are great at comedy. That just allows you to enjoy it. Like, sure. To me, I really enjoyed that. 27 Dresses, I think I mentioned it before, but I think it's like there's a fun innocence and an ease and a silliness to some of these movies that I think was there in those ones, but it's kind of missing from some of them now. I also feel like a film like The Proposal. I loved that. Sandra Bullock, Ryan Reynolds, and it was Ryan Reynolds before he was totally at peak Ryan Reynolds stage, and he was just hilarious as well. Like For me, it's those ones that just have a fun to them, and you know how they're going to end, you always do. Sure. But it's like there's there's not too much at stake. Right. You know? What What are the ones you recommend? Oh, yeah. Boys oh, no. Are? I got I to gotta say, though, because yeah. definitely because, I mean, again, I keep bringing my daughters, but they love rom-coms. And, I mean, we've had we had them all on the shelves, the DVDs and stuff. The proposal was on regular, re, you know, I mean, yeah. I could almost do all of the lines. I could do Betty White and all that yeah. stuff. 
sort yeah. of stuff. That's a great one and still stands up. Funny enough, yeah. it just kind of still stands up. The ones that would probably appeal to men, mm-hmm. just because, interestingly enough, they kind of have men in the lead roles as well, as, but it's still being kind of a rom-com. And some of these may not be as politically correct because of some of the issues that have gone on here in recent history. But the first one is Hitch. So Hitch, and so even though you can say what you want to about you know Will Smith right now, it still is a great film, Mm -hmm. and it was one too. I honestly, they focused on Will Smith, but it was really Kevin James's film, and Kevin James owned that film, and it was great. It just kind of showed that the awkward guy could actually have a great romance kind of thing, and even just being himself. what guys are looking for in a romantic comedy like I don't want to necessarily speak for the males listening right now but that idea that (laughs) that idea that you can be nervous and find confidence like even crazy stupid love is like that where you get this guy that feels out of his depth and you just need that person that mentor who's going to help you shine you know like that's what you you like who doesn't want Ryan Gosling as a mentor exactly (laughs) I'll be Emma Stone but we it's like just basically as a misfit you can still find love like that's the story we want to be told because everyone feels like a misfit in some way oh they do Anyway, and I think that that's, that's what's great. And actually, the, the second one that I actually recommend, it isn't your typical rom-com, but it because it has action in it too, but it's a film. It's a James Mangold film who's a great director. It's called Night and Day. And again, Tom Cruise, <laughs> maybe not, not your favorite person sometimes, but man, it was so much fun. That's action and romance. But that's it is why. action. But, it, but it's also comedy. I mean, mm-hmm. the thing is, that they have they actually have the chemistry. I think Cameron Diaz and Tom Cruise had that chemistry. Because yeah. Tom Cruise doesn't necessarily, I don't put him up as a romantic lead. No. Hard, no. you know, but this one, he worked. It mm-hmm. worked just mainly because he was be, able to be action Tom Cruise. Yeah. He runs. You know, because the typical, he runs, he the typical Tom Cruise film is one that we've watched over and over again. Go, man, it's just really a lot of fun, mm. romantic. It does have comedy, but it does have a lot of action. And I it. wonder, like, as you're saying this, I think, yeah, these were the these were some of the really good romantic comedies. And I wonder if now one of the challenges for romantic comedies is because there is actually a necessarily, like, it's necessary that they have this responsibility, but I wonder if it affects the movies. There is more of a responsibility to portray healthier examples of relationships to not be so stereotypical and there's kind of like romantic comedies used to get away with a lot whereas now there's more accountability to say hang on that girl shouldn't speak to that guy like that hang on where's the consent here hang on like all these different things that society are now demanding of what we see on film is probably affecting the way these movies are made like it is affecting them right and so you're not necessarily seeing them done with as much ease and kind of they're not as nonchalant as they might have once been no i I think it it used to be lazy writing that they should just be able to kind of do oh we can get away with that gee you can say that or you yeah. can do that nowadays you're like no i don't think you really can mm. and i think that's that's fine i think actually that we've changed as a culture maybe but that yeah. i don't think that that means that romance is dead and also i no. don't think that comedy is dead because i even you could almost argue that there aren't that many good comedies out there that mm. are accessible for the broader audience um, yeah. for many and so uh so yeah so i think that oh and i was just going to add another one that was again it's another probably not politically correct but uh, it's a woody allen film called midnight in paris which is mm. uh, a great one where, you know, you've got – it was just this fascinating look at romance and how it – actually how it transcends the eras and the ages that I just find that – I thought it was just a phenomenal one. It's one that I was really surprised by and mm. we really enjoyed. It's a different type of comedy. Uh, but, again, it has a man kind of as the the lead in uh, Owen Wilson who's really just playing Woody Allen is all he's doing. Yeah. But these are some great films that I think that people can mm. kind of embrace and look maybe a, a slightly different in the way they're looking yeah. at romantic comedies. I think it is good that we don't eliminate 
separate male characters and men from this discussion and this genre as well, right? Because right? I there is there is a space for male stories about love and the male experience of trying to be accepted and find romance. There is space for that to be told just as much as the girl who's looking for the guy that's going right. to sweep her off her feet and all of that sort of stuff. Like we tend to go stories about love. That's for women. But I do think there should be ones that look at a man's experience as well. Well, but don't you think that's one of the issues within our culture? I think that has caused the death. You know, we're seeing the death of the rom-coms. Not that it's completely mm. done, but it, but the demise maybe it might be a way of yeah. putting it is kind of the cynical nature of people even looking at love and mm. romance. You know, I mean, you hear, you know, you hear in the crowd, you go, oh, gross. Uh, you yeah. know, when, when they're when it's the kind of stereotypical thing. But yet mm. we need romance, both men yep. and women. We do yep. maybe look at it differently, but yet we do need it. And the thing is that I do, going back to one of the points before, is that I think God gave this to us, the beauty of it. It's not just kind of the initial connection, but it's one of those things you kind of continue to grow, just like mm. you were saying from the grandmother from um, What's Love Got to Do with it, yep. it's even more beautiful, especially within a marriage relationship that you're able to kind of grow and, mm. and, and deepen that relationship yeah. on the lo- long haul. Well, and even as you say that, come come right back to the foundational things. If God is love, as the Bible describes him, if he is fundamentally the entire embodiment of love and everything that that means, of course we crave it. Of course we want it. Of course it should be both a male and female conversation. Of course it's something that we all desire in some way because it's the inherent identity of our creator. Right. So our desire for this stuff, it's it's part of what's within us, right? Yeah, so, totally. Oh, I think it's great. I think God is a God of romance. God's a God of comedy. I mean, he made yeah. the platypus. Come on. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, but I mean, seriously, I mean, God laughs. I mean, it's, it's even in the Bible. So we, yeah. we can actually see and value the fact that both of these things exist. It's part of God's character, mm-hmm. and I think we can enjoy it. I, I don't know. We'll, I, I don't know if we'll ever c- kind of fix whatever it is with it is the rom-coms. It'll mm. come around. It'll come back. It'll make its own again. I think next week, you know, next episode of The Watch List, we might just solve some of this because I want to preempt us talking about about Fast X, which is which at the heart of it has one of the greatest love stories in cinematic Does history it. between Dominic Toretto and Letty. That is one of the greatest romance stories of all time. It's housed in an action franchise. It is the longest running in genuinely on screen that right. we will have seen in anything. So next time, Russ. We are going to solve all the problems oh, of the romantic comedy world in the form are. of cars <laughs> and action. Fast, and fast I just and cannot wait. Looking forward to it. Yeah, because well, we're, we're also going to be talking about Little Mermaid too, which is yeah. interesting. So it's it'll be a big fa- episode. It'll be a big episode. We'll be talking a bit about romance and, and maybe not the rom-com, <laughs> but we'll definitely be looking and of course, at family. it. So, uh, so, hey, well, hey, I think, I think we're, yeah, it's, it's all about family. <laughs> oh, wow. I can't we should stop. wait we should this stop. episode. We every... can't say too much about next episode. No, we can't. We can't. Well, and actually, this is pretty, pretty much we've come to the end of it anyway. It's always such a great time with you, Laura. Thanks so much for being on the watch list that we're looking at film through the lens of faith, as we say. So uh, make sure you subscribe and uh, also just kind of make sure you know that we're always going to be here. Pull up, get your popcorn, pull up your seat, and make sure you listen to the watch list. Watch me. Awesome.